0: Ready to sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth? Let's know on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host.
1: People should look at a Christian, uh, don't you think that they should look at a Christian and say there's something different right. about them yeah. um, compared to the world itself? And that's because we're not applying the teachings of Christ right. uh, to our daily lives. And, and we get up every morning, and we have to go out in this world and live in this world. And we should be lights in
0: this world, and we should be the salt of Well, the let, let me take, just on one more thing that's relevant But when we're recording this. Um, some years ago, there was the big excitement about the blood moons. Mm-hmm. Well, last night I think it was or Monday night, there was a big blood moon lunar eclipse. And I didn't I didn't read any of the stories or look up any of the blogs, but I can bet you that there were a ton of Bible teachers talking about, oh, this is and making everybody feel woo. Mm-hmm. And the world goes on. You know, we're not even supposed to speculate about that kind of stuff as proof of the Lord's coming. But that's again what I'm talking about. Those people know more about those things mm-hmm. than how to engage in the culture um uh, with the with the teachings of Christ exactly and
1: face the problems that we're gonna face in in a world that brings us surprises from every different angle every different um, angle uh you uh you're doing uh, You are fantastic today. You, uh, you covered the rest of the quotes, huh? I got ahead of you. (laughs) Yeah. I had uh, like three more quotes and you already answered all of them. So, Uh, um, but he, he kind of sums it up, I guess. Yeah. Sums what you said up, uh, in his last quote. Here we find instructions on how to behave on the motives which lie behind our actions on prayer, on anxiety and many other practical manners we find in the teachings of Christ right. himself right um, Of course Jesus teaches the foundations uh, that these practical manners are built behind, upon upon uh, what we and the doctrines are that Jesus bring brings out here is what we know about God, his nature, uh, the way he deals with man, and the great motive for prayer our Lord lays before us is um, that we know God is the Father, we are his children, and he knows our needs before we even ask him. And all of that is doctrine. All of it. Even the Lord's Prayer teaches us. Uh, it's a manual of doctrine. And did you, you want to save that for your sermon? Or did you want to go down it briefly? Right. No,
0: no, I've already said enough. So I won't you go through said that enough? list again. But just well, just to emphasize the practicality of Christian living, the mm-hmm. idea that I just believe that's all is necessary. And let us pause for a minute to talk about doctrine. Yes, we understand that there are heavy doctrines. Uh And let's take one, the idea that God is in control of all things at all times. Right. A lot of people struggle with that. They see things in the world happening and they say, well, I don't understand how that could be. So that, so, so that can't be true because look at the world. But the problem is that, and where you have to think through it is that if God isn't in control, why do we pray? Mm -hmm. The reason we pray is the belief that God is in control. And if he so wills, he can exercise his power to change that situation Mm -hmm. we do not believe either we do either we believe in a god who is impotent which begs the question of why he commands us to pray okay or we must acknowledge that even though god doesn't always answer the prayer the way i think he should it is it's not a question of his power or his control Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times people say well i don't want to know about that that whole thing about god being in control but that that belief is essential to successful, fruitful Christian living, and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. Uh, maybe I maybe it's not here. Maybe we can come back to us. Uh, but so I won't say it now because I, I was reading before we got together, and so I'm not sure whether I'm reading, thinking about what what Dr. Ferguson says or what Dr. Beaky has been saying. Okay. Right. But the fundamental the idea about doctrines, people say, well, I don't want to know about those heavy doctrines. But again, you, you're not thinking about the practical implications mm-hmm. of those heavy doctrines. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's in here, and we'll come back to it maybe at the end. I thought I had highlighted it, but it may be just something I read.
1: Well, maybe we'll we'll hit it. Well, what what I thought was interesting is all the doctrines, and I'd never really thought about this before, uh, and I'd never really heard it taught or preached, but the doctrines that can be found in the Lord's Prayer. Um, We have the fatherhood of of God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or uh, that art in heaven, his heavenly existence is a doctrine Hallowed be thy name, his holiness, and his name, both doctrines. Um, thy kingdom come, that's the doctrine. Um, thy will be done, the nature of God's will, that's a doctrine. Uh, give us this day our daily bread, that's his daily providence of God. That's right. a doctrine, Right. and that's what you were touching on before. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. So his forgiveness, that's a doctrine. And then our forgiven for others, that's another uh, doctrine. Um, lead us not into temptation, the problem we have with temptation, another doctrine. Um, and deliver us from evil or the evil one uh, is the doctrine. Of the existence of of the devil and and the hell, if you right. want to say, I've heard people that call themselves Christians that say that they don't believe in hell. Right. Uh, and if you recite the Lord's prayer, uh, I don't know how you can recite the Lord's
0: prayer and have hold a position like that. But uh, well, you can see, and that that's the thing again. When you come into the practical aspect of the Christian teachings. Most people don't think of that. Mm-hmm. When they recite the Lord's Prayer, they don't they don't think of that all of the doctrinal emphasis that's there. And mm-hmm. let me just take this one phrase because it, it comes up this Sunday when we're talking in the in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus talks about don't swear, don't don't use oaths. Mm-hmm. And there's a connection there to the third commandment do not take the name of the Lord in vain. And most people in our culture, including most Christians, think that means using God in connection with the word damn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not what it means. Okay. Now we shouldn't do that. That's, you right. shouldn't, you shouldn't talk that way, but, but that's not what it means at all. It, it really means that as a Christian, I bear the name of God with me and therefore my life should be lived in such a way that I do not bring reproach on that name. Now, see, that's some of the more practical aspects. So the, to, to give you the, the further unpacking, if I could, the, the person who says it means cursing with God's with, with God in there, uh, that's what it means. So the person never takes the name of the Lord in vain, versing curse words, and yet much of their life is lived in a way that brings no glory to God, and in fact, reproach upon him. Oh, but I never take the name of the Lord in vain. Yeah, you oh, yeah, do yeah. because you're living a life as contrary. Right. So you see the practical, the practical aspects that that come through solid, uh, detailed, in-depth teaching, and just another little caveat. And I'll, I'll 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 stop. But I should want if I'm really intent on serving Christ to the best of my ability, which is what He calls us to. Mm-hmm. then I should want to know all the nuances of that command. Not, not not, in a legalistic sense of I've got to cross every T and dot every I in every act that I do. That's an impossibility. We know that. But my desire should be to please him in such a way that I want to know what I what I'm called to, even though I confess that I cannot achieve that calling perfectly every single day that I live. The desire in light of what he did for us, should drive me to to hunger in that way. Right. And to conform more and more each day to the image of
1: his dear son. Um, He says on page three at the top of the page, the same is true of Jesus's other great sermons in Matthew 24 through 25, in Mark 13 and in Luke 21. Um, He he says that Jesus teaches us to enable uh teaches us to enable us to live a truly Christian way, no matter what the circumstances of our lives uh may may be. Now I've heard that these teachings, especially Matthew, uh the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is that's in chapter two, right, of uh Chapter five. Right, chapter five. seven. I should know that. Um and also Matthew chapter 24, I've heard that that is called kingdom ground. Uh, or the way Dr. Ferguson puts it, it's the design for life in the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus talks about the kingdom or the kingdom of God, is that is that interchangeable with heaven? Or is, that, is there a distinction between the kingdom of God and
0: what we would call heaven. Okay, so in the book of Matthew, Matthew typically says the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. But, but Matthew is written to Jews and Jews were people who did not use the name of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that he substitutes and it's, it's common in Jewish writing to substitute a name uh, that, which is a synonym for God rather than using his actual name. Okay so this is why in the king in the in in Matthew it tends to say the kingdom of heaven where Luke and Mark tend to say the kingdom of God right. they're one and the same it's just two different words for the same for the same thing right uh, so, you, Which so we you see quite often in you the, see in the Bible. you do you you do see that and but there are people who try to make a distinction between that mm-hmm. in the same way that I've heard people make the very foolish assertion that the holy spirit and the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost uh, be, are two different spirits, you know, and, and that kind of, just that kind of, of, of I, I hate to use the word nonsense because it sounds so judgmental, but that's what it is. Right. It we is, talked
1: about that a little last week, uh, the distinction between uh, where the the Word of God brought out the different spirits, you know, right. I think we were talking about the
0: spirit of obedience. Right, normally. right, exactly. So you So you get into that you get into that consideration. But, um, but, but this is that's the difference between the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. They're mm-hmm. just two words for the same thing. He's not setting up two different kinds of discussions.
1: Well, two, uh, I'm going to go on and re- I'm going to read from page uh, three in the middle of, of the page. But uh, the comment I wanted to make is how well this fits in where we left off with, uh, Dr. Sproul's book, uh, the last chapter in Dr. Sproul's book was saved for what? Right. And that's what Dr. Ferguson is teaching us in his book, uh, the Christian life, Christian living. Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah, they must, they just mesh together so well. But, uh, in the middle of page three, he writes, Jesus, um, let's see. Well, we had talked a little bit about this last week to either last week or the week before about, um, Matthew, uh, John chapter 14, where he's in the upper room and he's talking to the disciples and, and, uh, Christ is troubled in spirit and the disciples are troubled as well. And what does Jesus do? Dr. Ferguson said, Jesus' mind soars to the doctrine of the Trinity. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I am in the Father and the Father in me. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it unto you. Now that's from Job Uh, John chapter 16, all the others from uh, John chapter 14, he said, Our Lord also concentrates on the thought of the glory of God. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. John chapter 13. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. John chapter 17. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And of course, that's from John chapter 17 too. So they're, they're troubled because of the, the events of being in war, in the world, uh, living in the world. And what does Jesus do? He goes directly to, to the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of the glory of God to calm them. And that's what we should, I mean, what an excellent uh, example. That's exactly what we should do.
0: Do you have any well, you know, there's to a, add to that? Yeah, yeah, there's a number of thoughts there because uh, one, what we notice, and I, and I realized that they were just getting started, but uh, in their walk with Christ, They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the fullness of the word. I I grant all that. Mm -hmm. But notice how in their time of trouble, he calls them higher. Mm -hmm. He does not make it easier or bring it down lower. He calls them to a higher comprehension of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Uh, That, to me, just speaks uh, volumes in our culture where, where the emphasis is you've got to make it easier. You've got to make it simpler. You've got to... No, there is a point where Christ calls him deeper, higher. Not, not, not stay where you are. Not go lower. Come up higher in in that uh, in that understanding. And I, so that's one thing I would I would point out to you. Some years ago, I did a radio interview with a program in uh, Chicago regarding my first book, Friendly Fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the guy there said that he had mentioned my book because one of the guys was in Chicago and the other guy was in, uh, Baltimore. They were, they were African American gentlemen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the one guy who was on the phone, he was in Baltimore and he said that he had talked to a pastor about my book and the pastor said, well, that's good, but it's so heavy. And he said, well, you yeah, gotta give people, you've gotta give people, uh, uh milk. You have to give newborns milk. But right. there is a point where you, you urge the newborn to eat solid food. Mm-hmm. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says, you know, uh, you should be eating meat steak by now and you're still, you're still on the bottle. Right. Uh, so there is a place where we allow the young Christian to grow. There's also a point at which we say, no more milk. Now we're going to start giving you some, we're going to, sure, we'll start you out with soft food. Uh, you, you know, our daughter Sarah, uh, she adopted a different pattern with her last two children was instead of giving them raw, soft food, cut up adult food at a certain point. Now, this isn't when they first born, of course, right. but at a certain point, give them solid food only in smaller pieces so that they learn how to chew the food. If you just put soft food in their mouth, all they do is swallow. Right. They just swallow the food. They're not using their their jaw muscles or any of the things like that. so. Teach them how to chew, and it's the same kind of consideration here. And I just think that speaks volumes. Jesus doesn't say, "Let's make it simpler. Let's make it easier for people." He says, "Let's let's call them up higher, and let's get let's give them encouragement to dive into the substance." Of one of, and you have to admit, I think every Christian in the in the planet admits that one of the most complex, heaviest, demanding doctrines in all of the Holy Scripture is the idea of the Trinity: Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Exactly. One God, eternally existing in three persons, and Jesus doesn't doesn't uh, gloss over it. Mm-hmm. He actually uses that in their moment a moment of greatest. Uh, spiritual challenge mm-hmm. and I, I i've never in fact i've never that's never occurred to me until we were sitting here in this discussion of how of that particular concept
1: exactly so jesus not, doesn't lessen the law he actually heightens it and he does the same when they're in trouble uh, and they he brings them to a higher knowledge of, right. of doctrine right teaching of doctrine that's incredible it is what a teacher our yeah. lord yeah what amen. a savior amen too. what a savior Dr. Ferguson says uh we may have to rethink our personal response to the doctrine in order to integrate it into the very warp and woof of our spiritual experience now that's the first time I've ever heard that phrase? saying that phrase yeah, so what does he what does he mean by that <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I'm not sure what warp and wolf means either, uh, other than just the concept of of the. Uh, I think it has to do with a uh, a weaving. I think it's a weaving metaphor for the way that things have to be brought into the to the wool and 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 uh, oh, okay. in, intermixed and intertwined and intermingled and entwined, etc. Um, so, so that would be that. What I, what I, the way I would illustrate that is to go back to what I said earlier about the name of God and the, and don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Mm-hmm. Don't just be satisfied with, well, that means don't cuss. Uh, don't use the, the, don't take the Lord's name in vain. If you go and ask 20 people in America, what does, don't take the name of the Lord in vain, and you could take, I'm just saying 20 in America, 20 in our community. They, most of them would say it means don't cuss, don't, mm. don't say this phrase. Uh, and he, So now we get into just a little bit of how Christians, including myself, are hesitant when we encounter a doctrinal belief that we've never encountered. Now, mind you, I'm not talking about some new teaching. Mm. I'm talking about a doctrinal position that, that has existed throughout the history of the Christian church that I never heard about. Right. Okay. And I am hesitant to entertain the possibility that this really is a teaching the Christian church has always held to, but Mm -hmm. now has drifted away from. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's part of what he means. Look at my life, look at this teaching, see if it's been part of the Christian church and then find a way to, to bring that into my Christian life. right? Uh, one of the things that I would, just as an illustration of that, because this can be, and we don't do it. I'm not telling anybody to do it. Catholics make the sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Charles Colson said that that actually goes way back in the history of the Christian church mm-hmm. so that it is not strictly a Catholic practice. Okay. When we talk about the Catholic churches, we know it today. Yes, many Catholics just do it. It's pure ritual, okay? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't change the fact that the act originally had some greater significance and could have greater significance, so that I shouldn't dismiss a Catholic brother, sister, or or any other Christian who might do this, mm-hmm. because that practice goes back to very early in the Christian church, and, and that's one of the things about look at a teaching and see if it's some new thing that you you don't have to worry about or whether it has been a practice that has been honored at different times in the Christian church and see if it's something that I might want to at least acknowledge as viable, mm-hmm. not just say, oh, no, we don't do that. And those people that do that, they are they're not really saved. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can you can get into that kind of stuff, and I emphasize that for the heavier doctrines of predestination, God's sovereignty, uh, eternal damnation, all of those kind of things. Find out what the Scripture really says, what the Christian Church has always taught, and and cling to that. Exactly. You
1: know. Oh, I, I have a question about that sign now. Um, when when I see this, Father, I think of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, do the Catholics actually say that, or is that just something that
0: um, I equate uh, with it? Now, that I can't say with any degree of certainty as to whether they actually say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That they might. Okay? They might say that. And we need to be careful. We, we never want to... this. For that to become just a ritual. And you heard me say this. We recite the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, depending on the week in our church. When we have communion, we recite the Apostles' Creed. When we, on other weeks, we recite the Nicene Creed. But I have emphasized how, how easily it is to just do that by habit, you know, and there's no real feeling in it. Okay. So this is the greater concern is that I'm just doing this. Or I'm, or I'm viewing this as some sort of uh, magic charm to protect me, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are probably people that have done that where, you, uh, and that they misused it. So we have to be careful about that. But the idea is, is not to, not just to diminish something because I personally, in my Christian experience, did not have the fullness of that subject taught. Mm-hmm. And as a person who did not come from a reformed background, okay, now I am, I would consider myself thoroughly reformed in my doctrinal viewpoints. Mm-hmm. But when I first encountered a reformed doctrine, I thought, oh no, that can't be true. There's no way that's right. Mm-hmm. Because I was never taught that.
1: Exactly. And
0: there's a lot of Christian people out there. Again, we're not talking about new teachings. We are talking. We're not talking about. We're not talking about fringe teachings. We're talking about fundamental, central, doctrinal concepts that I may never have heard in my church tradition, Mm -hmm. but that are valid biblical beliefs that I need to be up as Dr. Ferguson describes, wrapping it into the fullness and of my life instead of resisting it is this really what the Bible calls me to? And if it is, God help me to live that and walk in that.
1: Amen. Uh, And when people go, say, like if they're on vacation, they go to a different church and they hear something they'd never heard before. And sometimes, you know, a red flag goes up. Well, the first thing they need to do is go to Scripture and see um, if it's what this particular preacher uh, is teaching and if it's there uh, you it, it may be just the church you're attending has never taught that right. never got around to teaching it or right. or whatever the instance may be but scripture is a is and god is the ultimate authority it that is we need to
0: follow we had a we had a couple in our church that left left the church and what one what happened was on Wednesday night her husband, and this is not to diminish them or demean them or demonize them, because I, they're, they're, I'm, I'm leaving them anonymous. They're anonymous. Uh, you don't know them. This was before you came to our church. Mm-hmm. Um, but they asked the question, her husband asked the question one night, uh, do you get a second chance after you die? Well, biblically, the answer is no, mm-hmm. you do not. The scripture is clear. This is the day of salvation. Right. It'd be a very little point to say this is the day of salvation if, oh, but by the way, tomorrow you get another day. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole point of it was pointed on the man wants to die. And after this, the okay. judgment. And so I recited that verse. And it was clear that the wife was very, very uh, uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day I got an email saying we are not coming back to the church and she, she, uh, called that Calvinistic teaching. Well, it's not Calvinism. It's Bible. Yeah. And I pointed it out to her. So the point is that I don't know how it happened that you never heard that in a church before, but you're rejecting a fundamental concept of scripture simply because you personally were never confronted with that biblical doctrine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, uh, uh, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we have to avoid. Exactly. And instead of what
1: uh, I would uh, suggest to some, someone, instead of sending an email, you need to go to the pastor and say, Pastor, you know, you, you said this in your message, and I have a question right about it. What, what Tell me what the Bible right. teaches on yeah. this. And sit down and uh, reason. Right. Yeah. And uh, I say that, of course, because we're reasoning tree Yeah. and you need we need to reason, but we need to reason based
0: on Scripture. Right. Rather than feeling. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't like that idea. I I and I'm I'm speaking metaphorically hypothetically. I don't like that. I think people should get a second chance. But that's not what the Bible teaches. mm -hmm. I might agree with you on that. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Do we want to go with what the Bible says, or are we going to very conveniently skip over the parts we don't like? And there's too much of that in society at large. Exactly. Too much of
1: that in pulpits. Yeah. Uh, across the world, you know, not just in the United States, but exactly, as a whole. exactly. Uh, well, let's go on. The next sub chapter is entitled "The Teaching." of Paul, and of course the teaching of Paul is uh, the teaching of God. I believe that, you know, Paul, when he writes it is God-breathed. Right. Uh, And So, you know, a lot of people when they listen, you know, this is what Paul said, and you see this on social media a lot. I'm not going to pay any attention to that, because that uh, is Paul's teaching. Well, sorry if it's in scripture it's God breathed it's uh,
0: it's the teaching of God right. so um well I, well look let, let's let's stay there for just a moment okay, okay. Uh, so this is again this is this is a teaching Thomas Jefferson said that Paul took the religion of Jesus and turned it into a religion about Jesus people will say that I I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in Paul. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the problem. Jesus said in that passage you read earlier in John, in the coming of the Holy Spirit, he will bring to your remembrance everything that I have said to you. Mm -hmm. So that the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit is to reaffirm and instill and deepen the teachings of Jesus. Yes. Now, in the book of Galatians, Paul goes to Jerusalem, and he goes to Peter, James, and John. James, the brother of Jesus now, not the brother of John. This is James, John, James, the brother of Jesus, John, and Peter. And he says, here's what I've been preaching. Now, tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. And he says, they affirmed, that his teachings were consistent with what Christ had said. So the idea that Paul was making up things out of out of the blue and teaching them as doctrine contradicts what Jesus says will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is this is why you. I've always been puzzled by people that say, "Well, Jesus was a great teacher, but his disciples didn't continue his doctrine." Well, then how could he be a great great teacher? Exactly. If the people he's teaching do not retain the truths that he has conveyed, Mm -hmm. uh, we have to question whether he was a good teacher. But what we have is you 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 have Jesus saying the work of the Holy Spirit when he comes is going to be to affirm and to reaffirm and to further unpack what I have taught. He will lead you into all truth. And the you there typically considered, not me and you, Mm-hmm. But the, 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 apostles. the apostles, he will lead the apostles into the truth that is necessary for the growth and expansion of the church. Uh, then you have Paul's testimony to the Galatians that Peter, James, and John put a rubber stamp upon his preaching. And then you have the numerous passages in the Bible where, uh, in the writings of Paul, where he's quoting directly from the Old Testament. hmm uh, where you find consistency between what he says and what Jesus says, so this whole idea that that Jesus and Paul are somehow at odds with each other uh, is simply not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And it again goes back to the idea of, of me as an individual saying, "Well, I don't like that. I'm not going to believe that. Right. I'm just going to I'm just going to believe what I want to believe, and and that'll have to be good enough." But but that's not Christian right. living.
1: Uh, exactly. And that's what it all boils down to. People just don't want to, they, they don't want to hear it. Um, and talk about a person that was radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You point to the Apostle Paul, um, and how God used him in, in the expansion right. of the church. Uh, probably if, if, uh, Christ didn't appear, to Paul on the road to Damascus, you know, it's a possibility. I don't know. Of course, God's proud, God is sovereign, but you know, He used them to bring the gospel to the right. Gentiles. And uh, I'm a Gentile, right. so I thank God for the
0: Apostle Paul and how well, God used him. Well, and and then you you know, this is a great, this is a, a really uh, informative discussion, and we could go a long way. I don't want to keep doing that. But notice how Peter affirms the writings of Paul in his letter. Mm -hmm. And then notice also that we talked about before where where Paul specifically quotes in Timothy. When he writes to Timothy, he says, the workman is worthy of his wages. Mm -hmm. And that is a word for word quote from the book of Luke. Mm -hmm. And who was speaking in the book of Luke? Jesus. Right. So you, you have to... You have to invent this kind of inconsistency where Paul is quoting Jesus one moment, but then the next passage, he'll no, he's not quoting Jesus. That's something else complete. That's that's just not it's nonsense it's, it, again. It really is. goes back. It really, is.
1: to be continued. We will continue this conversation in the next episode, and it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.